Cynic Empowerment. All right, welcome everyone to Cynic Empowerment. Welcome to Cynic Empowerment, everyone. My name is Tim Carpenter. And I'm Jimmy Horn. Welcome to the show. Uh, Of course, for those of you who are first-time listeners, Cynic Empowerment uh, is our podcast about all the sad things there are in life. But most important aspect here, of course, and the purpose of our podcast is to find the silver lining so that we may find happiness through all of this misery and derision that are clouding our world. Yes, our mind thoughts, <laughs> our brains, yes. uh, turning them into stormy, sad clouds of sadness. Yes. Once we get you uh, fully into that that mode of depression, uh, we can talk about some pretty good stuff. We have got uh, a couple of things on the docket today. Uh, yes, one of our uh, listeners, someone that I know in real life, uh, Julia, gave us some awesome topics of suggestions of things she wanted us to talk about. So thank you, Julia. And yep. uh, I'll take this time to say if any of you listening have different uh, sad topics or topics in general you want us to discuss the pros and cons of and why they may or may not be sad or good or whatever, be sure to let us know at our uh, email dr- address, cynicempowerment at gmail.com. So, yeah. Yep. Thank you so much, Julia. We really do appreciate that. Um, we'll try to do this topic justice. Uh, she also gave us – she gave us multiple topics. Yes, many topics. A we, list. So that's that's content for like the next half year. So yeah, thanks, Julia. That's true. <laughs> we really appreciate you. Uh, but specifically, uh, today we are going be, to be discussing uh, millennials. Millennials. Uh, as most of you know, uh, millennials are trash. The, the shitty, yeah, the <laughs> shitty trash people of our world uh, that are suckling at the teat of. Uh, industry and and all of the awesome things of the world uh ultimately making the workplace so you know less effective and uh and of course you know their parents houses because they're they're staying at home right uh so we'll we can we can approach this uh a couple of different ways but uh jimmy how do you how do you feel as though millennials are killing your workplace oh my workplace personally <laughs> uh, um <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, they they want – I think what's interesting about millennials is – you can uh, read this in different articles – is that millennials more so than I think previous generations want to work in an environment where they feel like their work is making a difference yes. uh, positively and otherwise. They, they I think – Millennials realize that they spend so much time at work that they need to get more out of it than just a paycheck. When you're spending 40 plus hours a week, and then that doesn't even include the time you spend getting ready and preparing yourself uh, for that work week, uh, at a for for and at a particular place, they they just want more out of it. Whether it is knowing that they're doing a job that is benefiting the world one way or another, uh, whether they're creating meaningful relationships with their coworkers to enhance that environment, uh, and so obviously that's horrible because millennials are doing it. Oh yeah, it, it definitely only millennials are doing that kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah, let's blame them. They're they're the, certainly the cause. Right. Uh, well, no, cause, because we need to be focusing on our numbers and our productivity. Like all that other stuff is taking away from that. That's right. That's right. So, you, you don't necessarily need to have a purpose as much as you need to just like keep your head down and do what you're told. Mm-hmm. That's that's really what's important. So just listen to your your middle aged middle manager, and everything's going to be fine. You know. But just just kind of follow. Our, our lead. Are uh, millennials destroying your your workplace as well as they're trying to destroy mine by creating a meaningful Uh, work environment? I would say so uh, if it weren't for the fact that the business at which I currently work is comprised literally of almost uh, almost completely millennials. Oh, yeah. Like there are a handful. Right. So they're all destroying it. Like they are all actively 
killing yeah. the business. There's probably like one older gentleman there that's holding it all together by the pure fact that he's not a millennial. Oh yeah, that's absolutely it. it it's because of his stature yeah. uh, and his posturing that we are able to maintain uh, a legitimate business. <laughs> yeah. Because if not for him, we would we would all just certainly be rolling around in the mud. Uh, complaining about our uh, how expensive our avocado toast has become. Oh my God! Don't even give me a sour avocado toast. Well, I. <laughs> uh, sorry. So you bring up a good point uh, about you know looking for purpose. Uh, I actually had an opportunity uh, to uh, discuss this topic with one of my best buddies from uh, back home in Kentucky, uh, and this particular guy uh, has just graduated college. Uh, and is experiencing uh, the uh, the force that is the workplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, just it's hitting him pretty hard right now. Oh yeah, he's you know he's looking for one of those one of those stereotypical entry level jobs. The worst uh, designed for someone who just got out of college with a bachelor's degree. Uh, my my good buddy back home in Kentucky uh, was telling me about his priority list, what mm-hmm. he looks for in the absolute perfect career path or job. Uh, and purpose was at the very top of the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely what he's looking for. Uh, the what, what was what was kind of misunderstood for me, uh, I, I don't really get uh, how people are narrowing down what purpose actually means uh, or uh, I guess how it comes to fruition through the jobs that you do in everyday life. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in particular... Um, like, let, let's say that you work, uh, you know, as a, a policymaker mm-hmm. in government, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty easy to draw conclusions, uh, you know, from, from a being the policymaker to B having the policy being enacted and ultimately influencing people's lives, hopefully for the positive, uh, you, you can kind of see that relationship pretty easily. Or if you work in like a soup kitchen, <laughs> for example, maybe mm-hmm. you're doing volunteer work for the majority of your – or working pro bono. Mm-hmm. You know, Those things are pretty easy to nail down as being uh, purpose-filled uh, right. and you know, helping out your fellow man. But if you're working in, in say, industry, uh, manufacturing, mm-hmm. you know, how exactly do you draw the line between uh, you know, what you're doing, the role that you're playing – in your your job at manufacturing and whatever company and uh, and how you're ultimately doing good for someone else. It, you see see my how I'm kind of well, getting a little confused here. Well, are you just saying how like not necessarily everyone can be is going to be able to check that off their list of purpose filling because obviously there's jobs out there that aren't necessarily going to be for some kind of greater good. Is that what you're getting at, or are you getting at something else? <laughs> Possibly. Uh, and I, I think that there is a lo- there's a likelihood that not all jobs have purpose, at least in the sense of uh, helping out your fellow man. Mm-hmm. But by the same token, it's difficult to uh, delineate which of these jobs are actually legitimately purpose filled and which of those uh, have a, um, a, a purpose that is defined by the person working. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I think it would be the second, right? The purpose, the person working as long as they can create some justification in their mind of they're, they're doing this for some reason, whatever it may be. It, it it goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If like, if you're a, if you're a shit shoveler for a living, uh, and you know, you have to, you have to take a pile of shit from one side of the room and you have to put it in a bin and roll it to the other side of the room. Then, I mean, hey, you could be saying uh, without you know this purpose that I serve, mm-hmm. uh, that side of the room that has all the shit on it currently would be very much dirty. Exactly. And uh, people would enjoy a uh, much uh, less clean atmosphere if I did not serve this very important function. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's that, that, that difficult – I don't know. So – it's relative. I think it's safe to say that it's very relative as to what purpose actually is mm-hmm. uh, in, you know, in whatever function you're, you're whatever kind of job. Um, but, you know, this this isn't, of course, the only priority. Like uh, there there are certainly some other things that millennials are wor- looking for in the workplace that are helping kill it. And that is meant in a pejorative sense, not <laughs> positivity. 
so beyond the purpose, uh, you know, people of course are looking to sustain themselves, you know, like, like if, if I did all of my work on a voluntary basis, I, I wouldn't really be able to sustain my quality of life. Oh, for it sure. It wouldn't be possible. You know, I, I, without money, how do you, how do you eat? Well, I guess you could eat at the soup kitchen that you're working at. But yeah. then again, that diminishes the quality of your life. So why not go and work at, you know, a grocery store instead mm-hmm. uh, and try to work alongside the people who are throwing a food drive every once in a while? Yeah, uh, that's true. Money's, money's important. When I was discussing this topic with, with my friend yesterday, uh, he mentioned uh, – he, he actually gave me some absolute numbers. I was like, OK, so in terms of salary, what would a good salary look like? You know, What would be sufficient for a quality of life that you're looking for? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, this particular person said uh, 90000 uh, Yeah, 90000 <laughs> was uh, was a magic number in that – any money that you made past that is not going to positively uh, affect your quality of life. That's pretty much as good as it could get, and everything past that is just gravy. Uh, whoa, okay, I get what you're saying, but that's not – wait, but is that – is he like holding out until he gets like a job that pays him much, or is he just saying that that's like the magic number? That would be the magic bullet if he could somehow – Okay. The ladder for sure. Okay. He, he's not saying that. Like, oh, oh, you know, like I'm not gonna work okay. until I get paid ninety thousand a year. Okay, I, uh, I totally got confused by that for a second. I was like, I was like, all right, how much do you think you're worth, bud? I think yeah. I'm worth ninety thousand dollars. Yeah, I no, I think there's something to that. I think there actually was a study uh, uh, not that long ago where basically it was making that argument, saying that uh, there's diminishing returns. Uh, as far as happiness goes, because there is some kind of linear uh, attachment between the amount of money you make and how happy you are. Yep. But I think the uh, even in the this, the article uh, stated something around ninety thousand dollars being like after that you're not necessarily going to be happier for making more money because you're yes. going to be able, okay. Yeah, I agree with that. Yes, precisely. Um, and I yeah I also agree with him. Uh, and maybe ninety thousand is a little bit of a liberal estimate. You know, you, you could possibly draw it back a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, hey, this is a this is a, a podcast about cynicism, so you you could actually probably draw it back to two dollars a day the poverty line. <laughs> like if you're talking about you know what you need in order to survive the bare minimum without any type of material possessions, which could or could not make you happier as a person. Right. Uh, that would probably be the the absolute. That's that's the bar, right? So anywhere between twenty and ninety thousand, <laughs> yeah. depending on how many members are well, in your family, how many people you support. Yeah, exactly. How many people you support, and then mm-hmm. you know, even like when we can go back to how we were talking about uh, purpose in the workplace mm-hmm. and how that's personal. I I guess based on your personal needs and what you need and deem as x y and z as far as success and stuff like that you may not need as much stuff as the next person to feel as if you're satisfied with your life i uh uh, speaking of all this there's a guy i don't know why but this is reminding him his name um oh i can't even think of his name right now but mick mickey he was like mitch mick his name was mick anyways his name was mick (laughs) Mitchie Smitherson, but uh, I volunteered uh, for an internship at a community theater, and this guy, I think he was renting a room from these people's house, and he only worked part-time at some kind of, like, a busser at uh, a restaurant. Like, maybe he did, like, 20 hours a week at that. And then he spent all of his free time doing community theater, and his exact quote was, I just don't want to work that hard, because that's that's all he needed, because all he needed to do was pay his rent, buy food, and uh, in his free time when he wasn't doing community theater, he read books, and th- that met all of his needs. And when you're operating with a flip phone and stuff like that, and you, mm-hmm. your needs aren't as 
grand as some other people's. That's all he needed to be happy. And honestly, he probably has a better quality of life than me. I'm not going to lie. Like, only wor- like working 20 hours a week and then getting to do his favorite thing, acting okay. the rest of the time, and just, mm-hmm. like, relying on public transit and then, you know, yep. reading his books that he loves when mm-hmm. he's on the bus. I'm just like, it's honestly a pretty ideal life. Absolutely. Yeah. But but I think that's where that's where the problem comes in, right? Because a lot of people have uh, this idea of what they want their life to be. And it involves all of these either material possessions or all of this free time uh, or status or prestige. Uh, and then they are putting putting in time up to a certain degree or they're or they're making bad decisions uh, thinking that ultimately those, you know, those goals are going to play out for them automatically or that it should play out for them automatically. And, and not that I'm advocating, you know, for this, you know, this big machine to beat down the millennials until they finally succumb to, you know, whatever standard operating procedure it would have them do. Um, but I, I think that there is kind of a, a disconnect, so to speak. Uh, if I think if you, if you live within your means and you understand that, Hey, I only have to work 20 hours in order to do the things that I want to do, then, oh man, more power to you. I think you hit the nail on the head. This guy has got it going on. Like he knows what's up. He knows exactly how much he needs to do in order to live his life to the fullest that he would like to live it. Perfect. Like, Oh, this is running another allegory. Uh, I feel like it's my, I'm going to tell another story. So I don't know if this is a true story or not, but basically it's like a guy, he works his entire life so he can finally save enough money and retire and then go live like in a a, a fisher shack in Mexico so he can go and fish. And then he like realizes that he could have just skipped all that shit he did his entire life and just went straight to the fish stack in Mexico in a fisher. Okay. So mm. we might have already talked about that before, but it's like, yeah, you could have oh. you could have went straight to the fish shack and just been a yeah. fisherman your entire life. And said you waited until you're, you know, 70 or whatever to live the way you wanted to. Yeah. And in the in the version I heard, uh, he was uh, he was fishing like for there was a, a man who was vacationing. Oh, OK. Uh, and uh, and the there was a gentleman that actually was living that life. He and he fished every single day. So that he could provide for his family, you know, he was he was subsistence, you know, subsistence harvesting the fish, and the other gentleman was, you know, looking at the guy, being like, "Oh man, you know, you're so lucky to be doing what you're doing," uh, and he's out here vacationing. He's spending all of his time working mm-hmm. so that every so often he can go and vacation to the spot in which that guy lives. And do the thing that that guy spends all his time doing in order to sustain himself and his family. Yeah. Dumb. Dumb. And it, I think it's because he, want, he wants more than that. He doesn't just want that fisherman's lifestyle because the fisherman's lifestyle is not glamorous. No, it's not easy. Yeah, and it's not easy. Absolutely. You're going to – there will be some days where fish ain't biting. And when the fish ain't biting, nobody's happy because everybody's hungry. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to say that, you know, that, that, you know, that, that, that would legitimately happen, uh, uh, often, but it's, it's one of those things that you have to take into account. I think we pay, uh, in a lot of ways for security and insurance, yeah, uh, fuck both insurance. literally and figuratively. <laughs> we want the guarantee that we're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because we want that guarantee, we give up a lot of freedoms and we make a lot of choices that are not necessarily in our in our our our, our best uh, interests. Mm-hmm. Um, at least you know in in the immediate and uh, you know how we could possibly happily live our lives. Um, Definitely. I, I don't know. Looking around the the corner uh, for you know problem at every turn. Uh, that's going to cause you a lot of worry and a lot of strife. And I know for a fact that not every person out there has lived their life with the understanding that there is going to be a huge storm in the next year that is going to blow up their crops and uh, decimate their homes uh, and prevent them from having a standard quality of life in the future. Mm -hmm. Not that people shouldn't, you know, shouldn't be wary of natural disaster or problems that could occur with their health. Um, but worrying about that constantly is going to cause you to make a lot of, a lot of ineffective choices. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, only um, thing to fear is fear itself, my friend. And and like tuberculosis or something like that. Right. That too. Uh, so uh, another thing that uh, this person mentioned, uh, and I, I quoted him uh, word for word here, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people out there, myself included, uh, could understand what he's trying to say. He said, I don't want to kiss ass. Uh, true. I don't, I don't want to, in, in different words, you know, I don't want to live up to other people's expectations for my life. Mm-hmm. I want to choose what those are for me. Mm-hmm. You know? Simple as that, which goes back to uh, your friend in, uh, in theater that works 20 hours a week. Oh, How yeah, great yeah. Man, it, we, we all are trying to kind of avoid the grind, but I, I guess what, what this really plays into, you know, like why, why do these ideals, uh, play into the fact that uh, millennials may in fact be killing the workplace well uh, uh, I don't know (laughs) (laughs) I don't really know it it could just be I I think it's some people's negative perspectives uh, yeah for sure they think we're too idealistic you know like, why are you asking for more? Come on. We've, we, we've been handed down this shit sh- sandwich from our forefathers. Now you get to eat it too. Don't ask yep. too many questions. Just take a big old bite. Yeah, exactly. And yum, 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 yum. so whenever people do that, I guess yeah, people are going like, well, what is it? You. What does it mean to truly understand uh, the perspective of another generation? Like, is... Is is uh, our representation of history reliable? Like, do we know that you know people in the 1950s went through uh, more difficult, uh, you know, social, political, economic circumstances than what we're currently well, going through? Well, people hate hippies, so I mean, I think it's just a natural trend that the younger generation. I mean, it's kind of like a—I don't know if this is true for all for all countries, but I feel like in America it's kind of a swinging pendulum. You have a an extremely uh, liberal generation, and then the pendulum swings back, and the the their children try to counter their extremely liberal parents, and then there's an extremely conservative generation. It just kind of keeps going back and forth with a continued disdain for those that are younger, because you know older people are probably. Uh, jealous of our youth for one, but then also infuriated that we're not exactly like them. Because doesn't everyone want a little mini me? I do. Do you? I, I mean, if I if I was going to have a child and like he started like running around screaming MAGA and had a Confederate flag, I'd be like, oh God, why? <laughs> what have I done? Uh, so I mean, I think I'd prefer the mini me. Right. If if I so I mean I I, I yeah. mean and I think that's it's general selfishness and stuff like that. You want people to be like you, but that's a whole another tangent. So I don't know. Yeah, but that I I think it is it's a it's a fact that most human beings can appreciate that you know people want to be listened to and they want to be influential in other people's lives. Mm-hmm. Like the and having a child is quite possibly the easiest way to do it because you're starting with a blank slate. Right. You know, you got tabula rasa, a uh, kid pops out, and from the moment it's born, uh, you know, the majority of the time that it's growing up, it's going to be learning from you, mimicking you, uh, trying to understand all of the confusing aspects of this world, uh, and ultimately it's going to go into the workplace, uh, try to work its ass off, and then get told by older generations that it's killing the workplace yeah. because they're not doing something the way that they would see fit or just because they're, I don't know, uh, resistant to new ideas. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and not only the workplace, I have a list of things millennials are killing, and it's probably one of the greatest titles for an article ever. This is from Business Insider, which is a relatively yes. reputable uh, a site and this is the title of the article and so it has quotes psychologically scarred end quotes millennials are killing countless industries from napkins to applebee's here Good. are the businesses they like the least so i love huh. how it starts with psychologically scarred like as if like millennials 
are just so broken that they can't understand these industries well enough to interact with them and support them with their dollars. We're just so Mm -hmm. incapable. We're just so emotionally broken that we can't go into an Applebee's or something. I don't know. Like that's our, it's already very inflammatory language, but, um, so first on the list. So apparently we're killing casual dining chains like Buffalo Wild Wings and Applebee's. And you know what I have to say to that? Good. Die (laughs) Applebee's die. I I think the reason why these businesses are dying is because millennials, on average, we make less money than our previous generations. And when we do have money, when we want to go out, we don't want to eat trash and we want to support local businesses. I think this is a good thing. We'd rather go to the local, unique, whatever restaurant that Dish opened up that serves, I don't know, local stuff and beef and beer and whatever. And we're like, fuck you, Applebee's. Yeah. Yeah, Applebee sucks. I and I don't like chains. I, I think that that's true for a lot of millennials. I'm not so certain that generations before us uh, were oblivious to the idea of buying locally, though. I, I know the the locavore concept, as it's been kind of touted and marketed in modern times, mm-hmm. is kind of a recent uh, um, moniker. Uh, but all, all in all. I, I, I think that that is, yeah, that's a, a very good designation to place on millennials. You know, we, we care about those businesses that we want to stay open mm-hmm. and we recognize the relationship between, uh, you know, pulling a profit on their business and keeping their, keeping their lights on. Exactly. So, so, you know, it, it's, that's good. Uh, the, one of the reasons why the, the brewing industry, you know, saw such a big, uh, bump from, uh, you know, the recession in 2008 all the way up. Uh, to, you know, the, you know, today, uh, I think is in big part due to a lot of those millennials, you know, they, they recognize that, you know, there's something to be fun there. There are, uh, there are communities that are built around, uh, you know, such centers, uh, and the same goes for your local coffee shops or uh, a local bike store. You know, these are places where you build your community. Exactly. Get to know folks. You make friends. Right. You, you strengthen bonds. Yeah, which Business Insider obviously doesn't know anything about. So next on the list is that we are apparently killing the concept of starter homes, and we're renting way too long and buying expensive houses later, apparently. Oh, because we don't want to be in debt for the rest of our life. Go figure. <laughs> yeah, like any of these. So there's a lot of different things that are trying to say that millennials are killing home ownership and like housing in America in general. And it's like, as a millennial that has lots of millennial friends, I can say for certain we all want homes. Every <laughs> single one of us just wants to own a stupid fucking house. Of a stupid fenced-in backyard so we can let our dog out and not have to worry about it and not have to listen to people having sex in the wall next to us. That's what <laughs> we all want, but yep. we can't afford it. And Enter it. tiny home revolution. Enter Exactly. It's like it, things happen for a reason. Like millennials aren't just like obsessed with like really small spaces and like living in a closet. It's just... Because that's the only way that you can you can actually own that property. Exactly. That's the only way you can actually legally buy that shit. Exactly. And so I and I wanted to actually lead up statistics because I get very emotional talking about this stuff. And so mm-hmm. I, I okay. looked up uh, census data uh, for the U.S. government of median uh, house prices through the uh-huh. ages. And so the the average house price of a of a home to buy it. In 1980, was $76,000. So yeah. 40 years ago, just about, you could buy a house for $76,000. Uh, now, the average house price is $272,000. So it's gone up uh, like six times. It Oh, five, six. La, 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 la. I can't math. Uh, four times. It's actually four times. It, it's original price. And... So, yeah, like it's it's garbage sauce. 
What, and what year was that? Uh, 1980, uh, it was uh, $76,000, and now it's 2010 with $272,000. This chart only goes to 2010. So I, as you're looking that up, I'm I'm on uh, I'm on um, uh, Pew Research. Uh, so I mean, take okay. it for, yeah. for what it is. Pew Research is good. Uh, but in in 1980, to put that in perspective, about forty three thousand dollars was the median in household income. Oh, so yeah, so you could pay off a house in like a few years. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah, it, if if you saved and you were smart about it, you literally could pay off a house. In a couple of years. Uh, uh, today, I, I don't know if that's possible. I, I think the uh, average household income still somewhere close to around $40,000. And well, the housing price has gone up exponentially. Uh, let's see. In 2000, and looks like this graph only goes up to about 2007. Okay. Uh, and it's actually only 50000 So slightly more household income per year. And yeah. the and okay, so the average, the actually the average uh, house sold in two thousand seven. Well, that's that's the bubble though. You got to think about the bubble. Um, the bubble. But so it's actually higher than twenty ten uh, for you know recession reasons, and it was mm. three hundred thousand dollars was the average house. And so Jeez. yeah, it it's just insanity. But um, yeah, it, it, there's just so many things. And then I feel like it's easy for millennials to get caught in the cycle of being. You're paying too much for rents. So you're not able to save enough. So mm-hmm. you can't get enough for a down payment to buy a house. So you keep yep. paying rent and mm-hmm. it just keeps going on and on and on and on. Well, that's perfect. Like for the, for the people who own the property, for the people who have the rights to it, uh, that's absolutely perfect. Why would you want anything else? Because as long oh, as yeah. there is a shortage yeah. of property and there are so many people that are fighting over the space, mm-hmm. then you can ensure that you're going to have money and profit in your pocket. It doesn't matter if these people have a place to stay. It doesn't matter if they're living comfortably or if they have a high quality of life. All that matters is that somebody is residing in your property and that you can win at Monopoly. Yeah. Not cool. Not cool, guys. Uh, not to mention, uh, you know, in, in, in those types of terms, uh, you know, that, that whole, uh, the, the virtuous cycle of not having enough money in order to put down a down payment so that you can get out of the situation of, you know, continually throwing your money into a pit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is only going to be worsened in the future. I, I think one of the primary problems, uh, that is, uh, evidence that, you know, we are going through trials that our, our forefathers did not in the workplace is the advent of modern technology. And just how many jobs that that is ultimately going to take away. I mean, this this concept is not new. Uh, you know, the Luddites, uh, everybody look that up. Uh, for those of you that are, are not familiar with the term, uh, Luddites have been around for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And typically, whenever you have these big game-changing inventions, they start coming out of the woodwork saying, you know, technology is the devil because it's taken people's jobs away. But in all seriousness, in the next 20, 30 years – uh, we are going to lose several of the largest uh, employment sectors uh, to automation. And because that's going to happen, there's going to be a surplus of labor uh, or a surplus of people willing to sell their labor. Uh, but there is going to be a shortage of work, which is ultimately very good for these businesses because yeah. they can just be like, well, we're going to take the most skilled people. We're going to take for example, these millennials who are, you know, fresh out of school with bachelor's degrees and, and we're going to pay a minimum wage because we can, mm-hmm. because there's competition going on, which is good for us. It's an employer's market, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's not, it's not good. And, and over time we have to learn how to be egalitarian. We have to learn that, you know, that technology, uh, cannot just be held in the hands of a few people and, and just held over the heads of all the people who have not. Uh, but I digress. So I don't. I don't want to go down that capitalist, <laughs> anti-capitalist rant again. Uh, uh, so let's let's kind of move on to. Uh, in, unless you have anything else to say about millennials in the workplace, um, let's let's talk about millennials at home, or more specifically, what home? home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently, um, kids are staying with their parents longer and longer. Definitely. Uh, 
It's an increasing trend. Uh, some well into their 30s. Mm-hmm. Uh, virtually unheard of uh, if you talk to somebody half a century ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is this is an unusual phenomenon, and of course, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of play over between, uh, you know, why millennials are having a difficult time in the workplace versus why they are unable to move out of their house. And, and unable might not be the right term. It 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 is probably not accurate to say unable, mm-hmm. but it's definitely daunting, um, more so than it might have been for some previous generations. But I suppose that remains to be seen. What do you think, Jimmy? I I mean, with everything we've already discussed as far as people not being able to afford appropriate housing, I think mm-hmm. it's realistic uh, to say that a lot of these millennials that are staying at home would take uh, a huge hit to their quality of life if they were going to yep. leave home and had to pay mm-hmm. for all the bills and services that they're currently experiencing at home. Uh, mm-hmm. and so it's like, oh, I could, th- I could leave this uh, three-bedroom house that I'm comfortably living in uh, to go live in a one-bedroom apartment that's 400 square feet. And yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Why, why take the downgrade? Mm-hmm. Like, geez. Yeah. Well, for one, it's, it's touted as being the responsible thing to do. Yeah. I guess there is a, um, this kind of social reciprocity that a parent has with their child up until a certain age. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that back and forth, at least in the way I see it is that the parent provides for the child, uh, because in, in, you know, in, in some way, the child is fulfilling a biological need for the parent, kind of like what we discussed earlier. You know, you're able to take your ideals and your beliefs and then you fuck this kid up <laughs> by just shoving those <laughs> ideas in their head. Or, and you know, in return, you give them money and if housing, you know, food. <laughs> or you support them and help them become the people they are in the world. But, you know, fuck them up. Yeah. Either way, they... <laughs> Uh, I, I depends say all on this the parent. With, uh, with a lot of, you know, tongue in cheek, uh, uh, satire, I had great parents growing up. As did uh, I. Absolutely fine. Fantastic. Uh, and if either of my parents are listening right now, please don't disown me. I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, let's, let's talk about why, why they might be staying in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest reasons, at least from the gentleman, I'm going to go back to. I'm constantly going to refer back to a conversation I had with yeah. my friend. Yeah, no, this is uh, this is investigative journalism. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh, he uh, is still living with his parents, uh, and one of the primary reasons that he gives me is that uh, student loans are absolutely crippling. Yeah, uh, student loans are. Uh, that's a that's a big undertaking. It's probably you know, a it's, rent payment it's, in it's, itself. What's that? I like they're stu- paying off student loans every month is like a rent payment in itself. That's right. It certainly is. Uh, and in a lot of instances, you are forced to pay at least a portion of those those loans every month after, you know, so many weeks after graduation. Um, you know, like Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, you know, whatever they're fucking like uh, your 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 government. Um, organizations that are giving you these loans are going to come hunt you down and they're like, okay, well now you start paying up. Uh, we know exactly what you make. So you are going to pay this percentage of your income. Mm -hmm. And even if you can't pay it, like there are some ways in which you can apply for, um, income based repayment plans. But even then it's still going to be substantial enough that it's going to prevent you from having as high a quality of life as you know, you may see fit. Right. And if you don't pay these things, they'll destroy your credit and then you can say goodbye to ever buying a house. That's right. And that's the thing that they that's the threat that they hold over your head, which is another reason why maybe the you know, there are so many um, so many municipalities that are fighting against this whole tiny house movement. They don't want you to be able to find a place to live where you can essentially just be off the grid and be like, you know what, I don't need you guys anymore. Like I, I am self-sustaining here. Like I, I already got enough money to buy my solar panels so you can fuck off with your expensive electricity. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, like you, you're, you're taking a lot of hits. Like you, 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 it's a give and take, right? It's true. Uh, but these student loans, uh, I, uh, 
I, I, I also have some student loans going on, mm-hmm. uh, my wife and I, uh, and they, they are pretty scary. Like there's some big numbers associated with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure I'm not the only millennial out there that, you know, kind of barfs a little bit in their mouth every time they, they go and log on and check out how much they paid off. Right. And it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I've, I've paid like however many tens of thousands of dollars into this and I've just barely dented it. You know, mm-hmm. I've got like three or four others that mm-hmm. are are also accumulating interest. And in some rare instance, or I won't even say rare instances, in some instances, you know, this interest uh, is accumulating uh, and capitalizing the total. Mm-hmm. That's that's no good. Nope. You know, that's, that's terrifying. You know, talk about never being able to get out of a, a situation, never being able to move out of your parents' house. <laughs> yeah. It, oh, yeah, geez. it's just, it seems like, yeah, it's just a lose-lose from every angle of just, you have this money that you're owing, and then you're trying to pay it off, and it's growing as you're paying it, and it's just, yeah, yeah yep. it's 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 hard. Crushing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, some, some words that he used, it's hard to get ahead, it's impossible to self-sustain. Mm-hmm. Um, not to mention... Um, You've got other other things oh, that influence the. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was go gonna ahead. say, and then also you got to think of uh, individuals that, let's say, they don't live in a major city; they live in smaller towns and counties and stuff like that. And then they go yeah. to a larger city in order to go to a public school, but then they're not financially well enough well off enough to move to a major city where all the jobs are at. So they have all this debt. They move back home to the small town. They have mm-hmm. these skills. They have this degree, but there are no jobs they can implement this degree in in order to afford this better wage by giving using their better skills. And so they're mm-hmm. just like deadlocked in these minimum wage jobs, living at home, paying off this debt. So I guess maybe one day they can move to the big city and get a nice job. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, um, it, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's they, uh, a lot of these job jobs and, uh, you know, fancy prestigious corner offices are dangled in front of millennials faces mm-hmm. saying, you know, one day if you are good enough, mm-hmm. you will eventually be able to lick the boat boot of this particular CEO. Yeah. And then they will give you this corner office, which we've been told is very prestigious, very nice, very lovely. It's a fucking box. Yeah. You are going to sit in a box all day and you're going to answer calls on your phone and you're going to type any type your emails yep. and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And it's all just going to be for the benefit of the person that hired you. You're going to be selling your labor to that person indefinitely so that you can try to get some modicum of prestige so that you can have a nice car so that you can, um, at the very least, move out of your parents' house. At the very least, yeah. <laughs> if you can afford to get to the big city in the first place to get that corner office job that you want. <laughs> Absolutely. It's uh, very sad. Uh, so what about uh, what about changes in our social structures, though? People are getting married later and later. That's one good reason to stay with your family. Right. You that, wanna... That's true. You definitely a lot of times need a, a double income house. I mean, double income yeah, household in order to afford the house. So, I mean, if you're waiting later to get married, you don't have the double income. You can't afford the house. So might as well be at home. But then, true. you know, then once again, you're at home. Who wants to date the guy living at home? You want to come back to my place? You know, it's it's impossible cycle, Tim. Can't wake the parents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can't wait to parents. Uh, geez, yeah, that, I don't. I don't think uh, uh, less sexy words have ever been spoken. Right. Like we have to be quiet. We we might wake my mother or something. Right. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, it's disgusting to even think about. Uh, but by the same token, like you have to understand that that's that's going to also impede the ability of these people to be able to get out of the house. Exactly. Right. Uh, like what if what if they're hard on their luck for their early 20s and then, you know, once they, you know, get to the point where they have enough money to even be able to take people out on dates when they try to build a relationship by bringing them back to the place in which they live, they're going to suffer uh, a pretty big blow oh, yeah. uh, to, you know, the way in which they appear to this individual just by the fact that they're living with their family. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. No, it's, it's actually like, smart. You're saving a lot of money. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and yeah, whether it's by choice or not, and in a lot of instances, as we've already noted here, it's not. Right. <laughs> I think most people would move out as soon as humanly possible yep. if that was the case. That's just the nature of humans. Right. Um, but it, yeah, it's 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 hard every which way around. Um, I, I don't know, man. It's tough life. It tough life tough. for some folks. Although there There's, there was an article recently of a guy that was living at home for a long time, and it wasn't a tough life. And that guy sucks, and he needed to move out. So you're talking about Michael Rotondo? I think so. Is that the guy in New York? Was it New? I think it was in New York or someplace. And yeah. the parents had to get a like a, a do a lawsuit to yep. kick him out because he was a trash human that refused to pick up after himself or get a job or do anything. Yeah, Michael Rotondo is receiving a lot of media attention uh, as per the beginning of uh, this month. Uh, Here, this article, evicted son Michael Rotondo faces jail if he doesn't get a job to support child. So this guy, who is apparently 30 years old, Mm -hmm. uh, still living with his parents, has an eight-year-old son, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And this guy is – he just – He's saying that he doesn't have money to move out, uh, and if if he did move out, he wouldn't have enough money to find a place to live or to buy food. Which we have talked about these things, and Absolutely. this may be true. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I have a lot of I, – I don't have much information. I don't have a whole lot of details mm-hmm. on what exactly his life is like, uh, what kind of personality quirks he may have. Uh, maybe he has mental issues. I, I don't necessarily know the trials that he's going through in his life to be able to denounce him as readily as a lot of people as I see in these comments. You know, like there there are all kinds of people that are just blowing the guy up like, oh, he's a lazy piece of shit. He's staying at home with his parents. Uh, something tells me we need to just send him to jail and <laughs> commit him to forced labor so that he learns how to work oh hard. Oh, my God. Oh, and, don't even get me started on prisons. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's, that's exactly what a lot of these people are recommending. Like you should force him to work. Like if he's not going to work, if he's not going to pay the money, force him to work, take the money from him and put it to where you see fit. There's all kinds of problems with that. Yeah. But he doesn't have like a job or anything, right? Like he, he's just been like mooching off his parents though for the last. That's the. That's the way it's being presented. Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe that's not the the case. Maybe, but I yeah, I mean, I guess I, I could have done more research on it. I just uh, was going to I was going to use him as an icon of a bad example of millennial, but now you're giving me second thoughts, and maybe I should know more about this individual before I denounce him and make him into an effigy of what millennials are not. But I don't know now. Well, I mean, this is – I think it's because of instances uh, like this guy that people have uh, a negative view about millennials. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just so easy to denounce someone. Like you can get a couple of numbers uh, like, uh, for example, uh, how much he was paying for a storage locker that he kept like a broken down 1980s Camaro in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like people added up over the, you know, like, oh, well it's $200 a month and then he paid it over the last so-and-so years. So it's this much money. Why is he not paying that to child support? Uh, and it's, it's a common argument that you hear with a lot of people that are, uh, on welfare, especially oh, from yeah. you know, like conservative rhetoric. Why are you, you know, renting like, movies from Blockbuster? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you enjoying your life when you should just be paying off your bills? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why does why does somebody who has more money just simply get to enjoy a higher quality of life on the basis of that? Like no other variables involved. Like it doesn't matter where they got the money. It doesn't matter whether they earned it or not. It doesn't matter whether the person who has less money is more deserving of that money. That doesn't matter. All that matters is the number. Well, you see, we live in a meritocracy. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, nudge, 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 nudge. So (laughs) the more money you have means the harder you worked in order to get that money. So by the virtue of having money, you must have done something worthy in order to have it. Get it? Must have. Had to have. So, There's no other way around it, right? So I think that's the that's kind of the mentality we have as far as that goes. If you have if you yeah. have it, you can do whatever you want with it. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, yeah, there's, there's no responsibility to be had for someone who's obscenely wealthy because they've already been plenty responsible enough. Uh, to, yeah, he's responsible enough to get that money in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we <laughs> – this is obviously a very emotional episode for me and Tim. Uh, but well, so do We're we, under attack, Jimmy. We are. We are. I got you know an army coming up on my right flank. I got an army coming up on my left flank. I'm just surrounded uh, yep. trying to defend myself. They're just throwing um, avocado toast at us. Yeah. They're drowning us in avocado <laughs> toast. I've never had avocado toast in my entire life, and that's okay. Um, yeah, I uh, I do keto, so I don't I don't eat toast. Yeah, I fucking millennial fucking keto diet. Yeah, <laughs> trash. Um, it's expensive, but it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh god. Uh, well, okay. Do we have any positive things to say about any of this stuff? Because we basically have been mm-hmm. uh, fire blazing anyone that has said anything critical about millennials that's kind of what we've 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 done here so is or and also talked about the shitty housing market i think that's shitty for everyone though not just millennials is there any absolutely wait wait i just thought a positive thing so well maybe a positive thing maybe everything so a positive thing about uh really expensive housing is that it's forcing uh millennials to uh, get roommates and form those bonds, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so, you know, I have some roommates and they're good and we hang out. Little housing. And um, some days I wish I lived by myself, but I think deep down inside, I think I would I would get lonely some nights. So, you know, it's uh, some forced some forced uh, daily uh, encountering of human beings. And so that's probably healthy for me. So there you go. Yeah. Thanks. I think that that's an excellent silver lining to, to focus on. Uh, in fact, uh, you can... Uh, you can just go on YouTube. Like it's 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 pretty easy, and there is uh, a just a huge array of different documentary clips that you can peer into somebody else's life. You know, from an anthropological perspective, you can see that there are many cultures out there that cohabitate with people who are not their relatives. Mm-hmm. That is that is a very common trend, especially in a lot of the Nordic countries, Denmark in particular. Uh, a lot of people can build these bonds with other people. Some of them are even, uh, you know, pseudo tenant farmers uh, that work together and live in the same, uh, like, kind of a apartment house building. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have separate uh, living quarters, but they have a lot of community space. Uh, and apparently, I mean, if you wanted to focus on the numbers, the Nordic countries are some of the happiest in the world and experience mm-hmm. some of the highest qualities of life that have ever been. So if you want to use that as any evidence for that being a silver lining, then by all means, go check it out, go look it up. Um, I, I have also lived with roommates in the past and I will say that it is, it has its challenges. It's a mixed bag. It certainly is. I mean, like you, you don't have the freedom to do what, what have you can't walk around um, because you have to respect other people's, um, uh, you know what, what they would want as well. You have to be fair, um, and a lot less selfish, which is hard. It's yeah. hard. It's hard for a lot of individual people uh, because, of course, they've been told. You know, like once you work hard enough, eventually you're going to get to the point where you have the ability to be selfish and guilt-free at the same time. Yeah, yeah. My favorite just, just combo. Consume what you want. Do what you will. That's me. Um, what are some other what are some other positives here? Oh, so millennials in the workplace, uh, it's not so much a silver lining as it is rebuttal. Um, but I would say that millennials are actually much better at certain skills, mm-hmm. um, in particular multitasking. Mm-hmm. Uh, multitasking, uh, albeit a kind of an ambiguous concept, mm-hmm. uh, is uh, I, I I would say is found very common within the uh, the skill repertoire of the millennial due to the sheer amount of uh, you know media and content and uh, the the ability to be able to pick your phone up knock out a couple of emails check your Facebook post check your Twitter check your snapchat send out a couple of yourself <laughs> make sure you yeah. create content for other people and then you go on YouTube for a little bit you watch your favorite people you make a video for them yada 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 everybody's connected. 
Yeah. Millennials do this much for for fun. <laughs> it's it sounds like work, but we do it for fun. Oh yeah, that's right. Do it for fun. So you, you want to talk about like somebody who's going to be effective in the workplace, somebody who's able to do a million things at once. Yeah. And who better do that than a millennial? That's true. Yeah. yeah it's true. And um, I, I I don't I don't know the trends uh, as far as things, but uh, maybe hopefully. Uh, millennials in the workplace, uh, maybe there'll be some positive change of employers uh, realizing they have to do more than just pay us a wage in order to create a positive work environment. I mean, I feel like there would have to be some change from that of people recognizing, or maybe at least when millennials are in positions of power, once millennials start taking up <laughs> CEO positions and stuff like that. Because, I mean, think about... Um, uh, tech companies in uh the silicon valley that mm -hmm. have millennial ceos or millennial founders like facebook and google and like stuff like that they definitely seem to recognize that there needs to be more than just a wage and they have recreation areas in their facilities and seem to try to create a culture uh for the workplace uh so mm -hmm. um I, I wouldn't be surprised if we started seeing that in more businesses Due to that sure i think as long as there is incentive for the business owners to do that they will mm -hmm. uh if they recognize that they're going to be able to uh, okay so going back to the the aspect of purpose uh in in the workplace if you recognize that you're able to pay a worker less because you're incorporating some sense of purpose mm -hmm. uh or goodwill towards others within that position and that individual is willing to work harder yeah. towards that ideal instead of being uh, monetarily incentivized, mm -hmm. that that kills it. That kills it on so many different levels because one, they get to pay them less. That's a huge bonus. Mm -hmm. That's an obvious bonus. And second, the millennial is going to be happier. They're right. going to be more satisfied with their position as long as they know it's doing good. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that comes from transparency in the workplace, mm -hmm. at least in my opinion. I want to know that what I'm doing is, you know, going to the right people, is um, being fairly distributed, uh, is, you know, the the people who are working the hardest are the people who are also getting the compensation for it, so on and so forth. Right. But I don't know. It's I I guess that there's still an incentive for business owners not to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't, I'm not in the head of a CEO. Or whatever. So, I mean, I mean, I think, yeah, a lot of that comes down to uh, stockholders. I feel like stocks in general, while they drive the economy somehow, I still don't understand how that works. I think it also kills the economy of innovation because ultimately stockholders are going to want nothing else except for larger dividend payouts. So they're like, mm -hmm. no, don't invest in recreation in your workplace, even though you'll be more productive and a more effective company. Just pay me more money as a stockholder in dividend payments, and that's all I care about. Fuck your business. I want my money. So, I mean, I think that's ultimately what kills a lot of it. But that is just Good me uh, philosophizing. I don't really know the ins and outs of corporate America, but that's my guess. Well, to speak on that just real quick, uh, stockholders. Uh, Jimmy, are you a stockholder? Uh, technically, yeah. I technically am too, uh, and I think that – the majority of people our age, if they haven't been told already, you need to invest. You need to plan for retirement. Mm -hmm. You need to make sure that if your business has a 401k plan or uh, an, uh, some type of IRA plan, you need to be paying into that every paycheck. Because yeah. if you do not do that, and this is the key, the key quote, if you are not able to do that, you will not be able to retire. You, won't. you will not enjoy a good quality of life in your later years yep. when you are not as able to work and put that money away. Yep. So it is because of that sentiment that so many stockholders, and I would say the majority of stockholders because they comprise of people like you and me, mm -hmm. are pushing those businesses in order to create dividends for them so that they don't have to be a part of those businesses for the rest of their lives. So they are not an indentured servitude. Um. I agree. I also disagree because I have no idea what my dividend payments are because I don't even know what businesses I'm invested in. No, I have no idea. I have no idea. They just take my money 
and <laughs> they invest it. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to worry about it. I just want to know that it's there. Yep. Um, so maybe, maybe you're the one calling like, God damn it, Google, why are you giving them a recreation? I want, <laughs> I want more dividends. Like maybe that's what you're doing on your weekends, Tim, but not I. <laughs> yep, that's that's actually uh, that's one of my hobbies. I just like to call all of my uh, my stockbrokers and yell at them, just just berate them over the phone. <laughs> yeah, I watched The Wolf of Wall Street, and uh, I was you know I was just flabbergasted that that's just how all of those stockbrokers are apparently. So I think that it is uh, equal compromise that or equal compensation for what they are doing that I call them up and just fill their ears with shit. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we got that so going for us. Take some shit here, Wolf of Wall Street. Um, any other positives? Um, oh, uh, for staying at home with the parents. Um, you know – some parents love their children a lot, yeah. and there have been cultures around the world, you know, even apart from these uh, these Danish communities that which are you know will cohabitate with people who are not part of their immediate family. There are many many cultures out there that bring up generation after generation in the same home. Oh yeah, absolutely nothing wrong with that. And in fact, I could see that being one of the strongest uh, family structures. Uh, out of out of all the human races, uh, because we we simply we have this uh, constant reliance, and you know these people that are just on top of each other, they know each other to the nth degree. Um, which I mean, I guess <laughs> uh, could actually cause you to hate your family, yada yada yada. Yeah. But in all seriousness, like it probably does breed uh, a certain sense of camaraderie just by being in the general vicinity. And the expectation that you don't have to leave unless you absolutely want to. Yeah. But, yeah that's true. Right. We definitely have a, uh, a disposable culture here in America. Like I would venture to say that most people don't live in their uh, the home they were raised in or, yep. or their parents probably don't live in it either. I know I don't. So my parents Most are millennials. So, yeah. Yeah. To that being the exclusion. Well, okay. Well, that's that's all I have for that. Uh, Jimmy, is there anything else that's making you sad? Ooh, anything making uh, me a sad? Uh. <laughs> uh they. Uh, no, I'm only thinking of happy things. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That, that is absolutely excellent. Um, let's see. Is there anything that's making me sad? I wish there was more microwavable healthy food. Fuck. That's all I got. Yeah. Tell me about it. I I actually wish there was like a magic pill you could just take and just blows up in your stomach. Like, right. Like Jetsons. Oh, that'd be so good. Oh yeah. That'd be absolutely great. Um, yeah. Like the fact that I had to eat in the first place. Like if I only had a like eat for pleasure like and it was like once a week like every friday like i would eat a meal for pleasure and the rest of the time i just popped like nutrient pills i'd be fine with that oh yeah you'd be in just like peak physical condition because you're getting just the right amount of all of your nutrients exactly um and then that what what would be your one meal my one meal yeah fuck why one meal a week I, i i i think i would change it up like i'm not gonna die it's not death row i don't think i have to pick just one it's not like filet mignon. You got, you got a little bit of I, I like Brussels sprouts. Put some Brussels sprouts on the side. Roasted? A little bit of butter yeah. on them. That, no, that, oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's also a very millennial thing. We brought back Brussels sprouts. Like they they like they weren't cool, and now we made them like trendy and oh, gastro pubby. Yeah. I love them. Yeah, I love them. Fucking millennial. Um, Fantastic. Oh um, man, it, it's tough to say. I think like a deep dish like Chicago style pizza. Yeah, I've never had true Chicago style pizza. I've just had like Pizza Hut's rendition of Chicago style pizza, so I don't think that counts. <laughs> I've never had the legitimate like in Chicago. Yeah, um, but I've I've had several iterations that I would assume are close, but having not known the <laughs> the real thing, couldn't be totally. There's off. probably someone like from Chicago right now. It's like it's not the same. Yeah, it's not the same. Tasted, 
<laughs> have you ever tasted tasty wheat? <laughs> the hell? Is that a question? Have you, have you ever, yeah, have you ever tasted tasty That's wheat? Like cream of wheat? Like what do you, I don't know. Well, I mean, if you've never tasted tasty wheat, how do you know what tasty wheat tastes like? I don't know. What is it? <laughs> Man, you just, sometimes you need to, you need to take the red pill, Jimmy. I'm so confused right now. Okay, this is getting <laughs> insane. Um, I think that's everything we have to say. Yep. Uh, thank you all for listening. We appreciate you. Once again, if you have a suggestion, uh, all the topics today were uh, from a listener suggestion, be sure to email us at cynicempowerment at gmail.com. And also, if you want updates on one episode's release, be sure to like us on Facebook. And that's also uh, at Cynic Empowerment, exactly how it's spelled in the dictionary. Yes, yes. Uh, and just like we said earlier, uh, Julia, thank you so much for uh, giving us these recommendations uh, and obviously evidence of us presenting them on the show. So everybody else, join in the conversation. Help us build this community together um, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try to talk about the topics that y'all are interested in. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, everybody, uh, keep your head up and we'll catch you next time. Catch you next time.